Hello builders and content creators. In this episode, we're going to look at a killer new content creation platform that takes what used to be the realm of professional designers and page layout experts and puts it all in the palm of your hand, literally. Magma is an iOS app that lets you create magazines. And as you listen in on how they built this from concept to a fully functioning content portal in just a couple of years, you'll hear some really interesting ways that brands, influencers, publishers, and even you can use this to expand your reach and authority. It's something that I'm already thinking about how I can use myself, and I'm super excited to share this with you. Let's get started. What's up, everybody? Welcome back after a long break for the Build Cycle podcast. Uh, today, I'm here with Jake Warner, who is the CEO and co-founder of Magma, which is a magazine building app for iOS. And rather than me trying to explain it, we'll just dive right in. But welcome to the show, Jake. Hey, thank you so much, Tyler. Yeah, um, Magma, in simple terms, is a platform that allows you to create your own digital magazines. And it is, we'd like to call the easiest, most powerful way to publish anything. Which is pretty cool. I'm not going to lie, man. This is one of those things where, and, and anybody who's listened to this podcast for a while has probably heard me say this a million times, like, rather than build a piece of content, you know, like, it seems like the real businesses are when you build the platform upon which others can build content. And that's when I saw the your PR guy reached out to, you know, offer the interview, I looked at it as like, damn, why didn't I think of that? Like, it's, <laughs> it's like, it's literally, it's such a simple idea. And it puts so much, it, it just takes all of the um, frustration of trying to create like a, a digital kind of like lookbook or magazine or anything like that. And it just, it's pretty simple. It's like almost, you know, drag and drop or, you know, it's all on your phone. Everybody knows how to like post something to Instagram and it's just about that simple. I, th I feel like it's like a professional version of like Instagram stories. Yeah. I mean, we definitely had multiple iterations of the, just the concept before it even went into production or development. And it ultimately ended up with as easy as we can make it to make something powerful and something in depth and you know something that no one else is really focusing on i think with like what you said with instagram story and snapchat i think people were really hyper focused on the business model of quick content and banking on the idea that every consumer has a short attention span now and i think what that did was actually just lower the level of content quality to a certain extent and just kind of blocked people from really being incentivized to create really in-depth, beautiful content. Um, not saying that anything out there wasn't, you know, great, but, you know, it's so short and so quick that it didn't allow for like a full story to be told unless you were doing something full production. So when we set out to kind of, you know, we, we didn't know in the beginning exactly what we were getting ourselves into. We just wanted to make something that would allow you I to think, I don't think any of us know what we're getting ourselves into. No, <laughs> you know, you, you start... You start with a um, just a cement paver and next thing you know, you're building, you know, a whole city. And that's kind of like what happened with us. And, you know, I was, you know, working as a freelance photographer and media um, coordinator with brands such as Red Bull and GoPro and, you know, a bunch of others and athletes. And the biggest issue that came around every single time was I need to send a bunch of content, a bunch of media bunch of notes very quickly and I always needed to find really good Wi-Fi and have my computer ready and that singular problem kind of unlocked this concept of if I had simple platform on my phone that allowed me to share media in full resolution 
allowed me to tell a story, whether that was to my team or share it to followers or friends, whatever it was, that would in itself would be a game changer. And, you know, very quickly, I realized if I was allowed to create my own digital magazine, it would solve all of those issues as well as open the door for a bunch of other stuff. So that's kind of where the concept came from. That's cool. So can you create a magazine? I guess you can be offline and still create one in the app. And then whenever you come online, then it's just shared out. Yeah. And we, um, we added certain features on the creation side that, you know, we didn't want to reinvent the wheel, but we wanted to combine the best features from all these different platforms. Like Microsoft Word has, we actually tested it, the best autosave feature around. So as you're creating on Microsoft Word, it, it's quite literally autosaving in the background at a speed and complexity that, you know, not a lot of other platforms have been even able to focus on. And we kind of took that in. So and when you're creating a mag, if you don't have great service, if you are a journalist and you're literally on assignment in the field anywhere, minimal service, and you're creating a mag on your phone, um, it's saving. So you can save it as a draft and, you know, you can have 20 drafts going at one time. And whenever you feel like you need to go work on them, just open them up. And when you're ready to publish, you just, you know, give it the proper tags and caption and just publish it right away. Uh, that's pretty cool. Okay. So yeah, I get it. I was going to ask you like, what was the impetus to start this kind of like the, the seed and you sort of explained that with, you know, just being out in the field and needing to capture these stories in a way that would not disappear in 24 hours. Um, what, so let's talk a little bit about the product itself. Like I, I sure. say iOS cause I'm on, I'm an Apple guy. What is it? Android also? Right now it's just iOS. Um, we wanted to really carve out what the product was going to be at scale. And to do so, we really wanted to focus on one platform and one stack. So um, that let us, you know, obviously we, we feel iOS is on the cutting edge of allowing us to do some really powerful professional things. So we started there. Um, they're doing a lot of cross-platform stuff. So I think in the coming months, we're going to start, you know, really honing in on the Android side of things, as well as we do have some more professional desktop um, variations of the product going to come out in the future. So iOS right now is only where it's available though. That's cool. And is there a, a dedicated um, iPad like tablet app as well? Or because I've only played with it on my phone. Uh, it's coming. We, uh, we, we have this mantra with everything that we do where we rather take the time and do it absolutely like properly rather than, and that's why I take that approach with almost everything that I do, but I rather take the time to do it properly rather than rushing to market with something and, you know, making a hundred changes that always, you know, isn't the best route for someone like us. So we, we took it on um, ourselves to go slowly and there is going to be an iPad app and that's going to convert to desktop and, you know, Apple's actually unrolling a bunch of new features for us to be able to use that would make that process faster as well. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I think with the, with the new Macs, especially, it seems like once you build that iPad app, it's pretty much a desktop app, you know, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> I think it's uh, the funniest thing is even companies like Apple are still learning um, what professionals want when it comes to storing and sharing from files. So I think they underestimate the power of the camera roll. And it's funny how, you know, you talk to some professionals and they're like, Oh, you know, I just been using Lightroom mobile and my camera roll on most of my stuff. And it blows people's minds that like, it's that simple. 
So I think Apple sometimes, you know, overshoots things and they're finally realizing like, if you just keep it simple, allow people to pull files from any device from the same area, like it's going to make everything a lot better for everyone, developers, creators, brands, it's going to be much better. That's cool. Okay. So um, I, I think the easiest way, like I mentioned, was it's almost like building an Instagram story, except that you can add like pages so that you could have like multiple stories and longer text and all that in there because i think people are, a lot of people are used to like dragging images and icons and stuff around in photos so you know once somebody gets into that then you have this magazine which i i guess you could make it as long as you want as many pages you want and each page can be as long as you want um what do you do with it yeah so you, you kind of said it best it's it's very much so a drag and drop we call it like the plug and play model where um, we didn't want you to worry about having to create your own templates. We started developing templates for pretty much every need. Um, there's article templates and gallery templates. So depending on the content you're going to be creating, um, you can either just have media and that encompasses everything from full resolution video, YouTube, um, interactive maps, shopping links. We have stock photos that can be pulled up. Anything that can be plugged into a media box you can do. Um, and then once you create this mag and, uh, you know, you feel that it's ready for viewership and publishing, you publish it, it lives natively on the platform. And what's really cool is you can then take that mag, it's already assigned its own URL every time it's published. So instantly, it's got its own custom way of living amongst the web as well. Um, you can take that and share it anywhere you have followers, anywhere you have viewers, and it can be viewed with or without the app. So uh, if you share a mag with you know your team or your family and friends and they just click the link if they're on desktop it's going to open up um in more of a blog post vibe uh on a computer and then if you open it on mobile without having the app it opens very similar to how it is in the app but of course the best experience the most seamless is if you actually download magma anytime you come in contact with uh, a magma file or url it opens flawlessly right there in the app Cool. And then can you export it? Like, could I turn that into a PDF or something? Uh, that's coming soon. We really wanted to actually do what we've done with almost everything and kind of really make sure it's, it's very magma. So we've got it coming where ultimately you'd be able to print your own mags directly out of the app and have, you know, a tangible non-digital version of it. Um, these are all things that we've been discussing. So we're not just going to you know, take the easy route, unfortunately, with, when it comes to that. And it will be able to be shipped as a PDF and maybe some other smart files working on. Yeah, that's really cool. All right. I got to ask, because uh, I want to talk about some of the stuff I saw when I was slipping through other people's publications on there. But what is the revenue model? <laughs> so the revenue model <laughs> is it's it's broken down to multiple different factors, um, starting with we just really wanted to get the product at its most raw um, level first. And we didn't want to focus about trying to, you know, create a profit margin for the company that would ultimately overshadow what the product is capable of. Uh, that being said, the first revenue model is we are going to be rolling out some really cool abilities for brands and professionals to get the most out of the product. So whether you've got a team and you want everyone to work on an admin basis with a product, um, if you want a, a real publication, you'll be able to actually sell your product, your mags um, directly out of the platform. Uh, it's going to be at the creator's discretion. So it's not up to us to create these paywalls. If you feel your content is uh, worthy of a price, you can put that price on there. 
Um, and we're going to be giving guides that are based on really, you know, heavy analytics, being able to show you what you, your content is actually worth. If you want to take that for what it is, you'll probably see the best results for consumer. Um, analytics, if you just want to shoot your shot and put your own price on it, you'll be able to do that as well. Um, the revenue model is though, is that we're ultimately going to be working off of um, in-app purchases being the main thing, being able to create content you won't be able to create anywhere else from your phone um, and building that out slowly but surely in the beginning with the end goal of ultimately, this is going to be a marketplace for user-generated content. So um, if you're creating something that no one else is able to do just be based on where you're based and where you live and what kind of content you're encountering, that might be of value to a larger publication or a news source. And that can ultimately be its own story. It could be its own, you know, headline on one of the major channels. So we want to be able to create something that would allow, you know, voices to be heard on a very mass level through the mags. That's cool. Do you have any big names or influencers, celebrities producing their own publications yet? Yeah, we do. And um, what's funny is we've specifically asked a lot of them not to you know, publicize the platform right away, just being that we really wanted to listen to what they were um, saying. You know, there's a lot of feedback and there's a saying that we would always, you know, tell people, my partner, Joey Shawaki and I would say, like, try to break it. Please try to destroy the product. Try to break it. Try to do things that we haven't thought of yet. Try to um, try to just integrate it into your workflow in a very aggressive manner. And we've learned more from that, just from these professionals, just, you know, pushing it to its limits. Um, we do, we have models, we have, you know, professional photographers, travel bloggers, uh, sports writers, you name it, we've, we've had someone on the platform. And what we've now seen is a lot of mags being published privately and then shared amongst um, teams. So in this work from home environment, sharing your content with your team is everything. And, uh, you know, being able to do that when you have a mag is, it's something very powerful. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I was thinking like from a revenue standpoint, if you had, you know, some super popular magazines on there, would it be possible for you to offer like an ad insertion business where you just, they can earmark X number of pages and then your system, you know, you guys have the sales team that goes out and sells the ads and pops them in. And then you just do a rev split, you know, rev share. Yeah. Yeah. We, we definitely are looking at that. What we don't want to do is just turn this into, um, we don't want to turn this into like, you know, everything else, essentially, you know, there's, (laughs) there's, I, I hate to say it, but like, it's, it's a business model that works really well, but at the end of the day, it's sometimes it's not, you know, you're not doing much different other than just supplying a new version of it. And with a lot of these, blogs and websites and publications it's how do i turn a profit really quickly and you just end up creating something that someone's already done just with your content and when it comes to magma even with the ad model um we want to be able to actually have creators create mags and then have businesses and people who want to advertise products or experiences or whatever it might be actually be able to get their ads into a mag that relates only to that content so i mean we're you know, if you want to talk about cycling or, you know, action sports, if you open a surf mag, you're never going to see an ad for, you know, baseball bats. You're never going to see an ad for running shoes. You're going to see stuff that's directly correlated to surfing. And as we're trying to create, you know, a more modern futuristic version of that ad platform within mags, 
um, we want to keep that true and we want to make it as powerful as possible where, you know, if you have a thousand people that are significantly into the content that is in that mag, you're going to get a much better return rate and, you know, investment return than if you had a million people viewing an ad that might not pertain to them. And that's a model that a lot of people don't look at. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, so I want to talk to you a little bit about the competition because there's there's two things. And like I've just played with your app for a little while because I wanted to get familiar with it and be able to ask smart questions. And um, the two things that I, struck me about it that it seems super good are A, easy to use, and B, totally free. And yeah, so I want to ask you about some of the competition because the one I've tried messing around with both of the two that I could think of that are your main competitors and neither are easy and neither are free. Um, so mag plus and issue are the two that I found that kind of seem to be something similar, except not really app based, more desktop based, but, um, you know, like what's the, are you familiar with both of those? I am. And, uh, what's funny is, you know, if you, if you, look at both of those, they're catered directly towards professionals or like if you're really starting a publication and the definition of a publication for them is, you know, if you went and picked up a magazine off off a newsstand, you're trying to create something at that level. And, you know, that learning curve and that cost is it's massive. And for someone to actually go to an issue and, or, you know, mag plus or even a medium and try their hardest to create something professional, there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure on them. You know, it's, it's not familiar. It's not something that they can just pick up and do right away. It's, it's going to take time. It's going to take effort. Ultimately it's going to take more than one person to create something really powerful. Um, so we, we really wanted to make it as friendly as possible. And by, by doing that, it made it so easy that, you know, you can ultimately create something better in a short amount of time, just because everything is just, it's simpler and it's, it's more friendly and it's more inviting. And we, we spoke to a lot of professional publications and teams of five, and it took a lot of, uh, it took a lot of hands on deck, every single issue that they came out with, whether they were using InDesign or, you know, mag plus or issue to actually get that out there. And they said the same thing. Like we would come, we would compromise and give up a lot of the design ability to just have it more streamlined. And we heard that time and time again, and it's our job as you know a company to you know, think realistically. Like, do people want it easier? Do they want it more powerful? Do they want it more uh, professional? And it, I think what we're doing is a blend of everything. Yeah, I mean, maybe social media is sort of—I don't want to say dumbed down our expectations as consumers, but right, like most of us are saying, he's just flipping through stuff so fast that, albeit the stuff that's designed really well, then stands out even more so but yeah like a lot of and especially on a small screen right like some of those little design nuances from on a full page magazine are just lost on a tiny screen too yeah and i i think if you look at issue what they did brilliantly was they were able to make a pdf as smart as possible so that's i, I guess that's their bread and butter but you know consuming really um busy content on a small screen, no matter what kind of phone you have or tablet, even a computer, it's often, I've used this word before, but like unincentivizing to the creator or the consumer. And if you want to keep things very, from the creation process to the consumption process easy, it ultimately makes the content just a better piece of media altogether. So um, 
you know, we really wanted it where if you're putting even a small link in, it's not going to be hidden, you know, an entire page, it's going to show up itself as a layer on top of the other content. And that's, you know, we, we took a lot of time to really dissect that. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm honestly very excited about the iPad version because, you know, like I've, I've used InDesign for probably 20 something years now. So like I know how to do page layout. I'm just thinking like, if you could make it to so simple to go from like a simpler version of that, which, you know, for people who don't know InDesign, imagine like, I don't know, whatever Microsoft's like page maker thing is. <laughs> I don't sure. Know. Um, just, you know, like a lot of power over the layout and the control of each little thing. And I'm just thinking like background layers of color and stuff. Like if you could do that super simple or somebody's totally in an app and then it's just instantly published and available, that's going to be super awesome. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like right now you could actually just download Magma as an app and it will show up on the iPad. There's nothing different between the iOS and the iPad OS. Um, it's essentially the same product being shown on two different screens. So you can still do that. But what we wanted to do was that iPad OS, that Mac OS option of the product is going to be catered towards those who have been using the more aggressive and professional publishing platforms in the past. And they know creative uh, tools like InDesign and Photoshop, and they just want something that's going to give them the same, if not really relatively close result of just easier and faster. Right. So from the content standpoint, because I have a personal interest in content marketing and, and being a digital publisher with Bike Rumor, you know, like I see it from both sides. I see it from the branding and marketing side. I see it from the media side. What I'm trying to think is like, what are what are people doing with this that's standing out? And when I was flipping through a lot of the publications, a lot of them have like, you know, like 12 views and they're like 12 likes and 37 views or something, all super low numbers. And I imagine once you start promoting, you know, the celebrity people using it, that those, you'll start seeing higher numbers and more engagement on some of it. But it's, it looks to me like there's a lot of people just kind of using it for vacation photos to share with family or something. And then a couple people trying to create, like lookbooks or little marketing books for some brand or either an influencer or whatever. But has there been some really creative uses of it that have surprised you? Yeah. I mean, I, we are just now fully launching. So I, I really can't wait to see what's going to be posted on there, but we have about 1200 mags published. Um, and we have a couple hundred that have been published privately, which means they don't actually show up on the feed but that creator has them on their profile and they could share the link for anyone to consume. And we've seen everything from, I mean, we had a pretty large high-end fashion brand in which the designer did was she published a mag privately and it was her lookbook for the next year's spring summer collection. And she works with some of the largest retailers in the world. And she sent that mag with shopping links that were the actually direct purchase order links. And she sent this, to all of her buyers and did almost all of the uh, purchase orders for the next year's collection directly out of a mag. And we had no intention of this occurring. Uh, she actually came to us and said, I used it this way. I think I, I think I did something for the first time with it that people are really loving. And we've seen things from that. We've seen um, creators actually go and make a travel blog that ultimately is an itinerary. So everyone that travels or you know, often seeks out new adventures is always asked like, send me your recommendations, send me where you went, um, where do you stay, where do you eat? And it's always people trying to almost creep on their social media, trying to figure out where they were, trying to, 
And we've seen people use a mag where they drop in the actual map links um, to the locations where they're shooting. They, you know, hyperlink the hotel they're staying at, the restaurants they went to. And someone could actually look at that mag and go, hey, like I have the entire trip right here in front of me. And it's in a single piece of media that can be shared as many times as it needs to on any platform. So we've seen, yeah, family photos from a trip. We've seen really high-end itineraries. We've seen lookbooks. We've seen companies use it as their memo for morning meetings over, you know, in the work from home environment. We've seen it used in a multitude of different ways right now. And we're excited to see what happens next. Yeah, that's really cool. So I've got a couple of sites bookmarked here that I wanted to ask you about. Um, you know, like your website kind of shows some examples, which is really cool. And it's it's uh, magmanow.com. So everyone can check yeah. it out. But um, so when I was researching this, I found an old and now defunct website and blog called magmahq.com, which funnily enough was some sort of magazine thing that actually got acquired by issue. Were you aware of that or what was that? Uh, I had heard rumblings. We, I mean, once someone kind of mentioned it not too long ago, I, I searched for it, didn't really find much, but uh, yeah, I didn't hear anything of it in the beginning. No one ever kind of mentioned it. And now to this day, I've, I've searched here and there and nothing has come up. The, yeah, there's, I, I know that issue has kind of done their own thing, but nothing has even come close to, you know, relatively similar to what we're doing. And I've never seen the name used any other way. Right. Yeah. I was curious. I mean, this was like the last mention of it on their blog was from like 2013. So it's, probably not an issue anymore but uh yeah issue fun um yeah i mean yeah we, just i was wondering if there was any relation to you guys but it didn't look like it yeah no we um we came up with the name it was trying to find something that was going to be easy to you know market easy to brand i mean if you want to talk about digital marketing it's short and sweet always wins um but you know we were trying to think of something that was a little bit more complex by the name and mag magazine it was always kind of rolling off our tongue and i said well like what's, what's the hot, like hot off the press. What's the hottest substance on earth. It's like, it's magma. It's everything is created from magma. If you look at, you know, land is just magma that's hardened. It's, you know, and we're giving you a platform to kind of take your creation to the next level and kind of giving you a really sturdy base to, you know, share all your content. And it kind of just, that's how it happened. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would be keen to talk to issue if they were interested in, you know, Sure, like maybe a partnership. I don't know. Yeah, I I have a feeling if you grow this thing and start showing any kind of substantial or you know sustainable revenue model, you guys will become an acquisition candidate pretty quick. That's my guess. Um, I don't know what your plans are. You don't have to share that. But uh, so I mean, for the right for the right buyer, I mean, we would obviously love to give this product and this platform like ultimately the the best chance it has at becoming the biggest thing that it can be, and. A lot of creators, um, a lot of entrepreneurs always say, like, you know, I'm looking for the exit. And there's all these jokes about searching for exits and praying for exits. And for us, it's really, we just want to see the product provide the most use that it can to society. And in this day and age, you know, if you're looking at kind of the current times with elections and how content media are shared and where people are looking for their source of trustworthy news, it's sometimes it's not the big news channels. It's people that they feel relatively close to or that they trust actually sending them articles and sending them news. And what's really cool about, um, what's cool about Magma is it allows anyone to ultimately create 
an article that's on par with a professional news article. So, you know, there's millions of people that wake up every morning. First things they check are Apple News and their emails. And when they get on Apple News, it's essentially, you know, the professional publications just putting out mini mags. And we're now giving that power to absolutely everyone. If you, you know, like to uh, talk about climate conservation and you're traveling around, you know, maybe working for your own organization or working for someone else and you have your own take on it, feel free to go on Magma and create a mag sharing that experience, sharing your knowledge, sharing your findings. That might be something that can be of value to consumers and readers that no one else is able to do. And that's kind of where we feel that we're creating something that's of massive value to the society. It's not just a fun tool. It's not just something that's fresh or, you know, a modern take on something. It's giving everyone an even playing field of sharing their experience and their knowledge and their content. Yeah. Is there plans or can you take your Magma publication and make it available on Apple Newsstand or any of these other aggregators? Uh, as of now, no. It's something that we've definitely spoken about internally, but um, I think our biggest focus in this early stage is create a tool that is as powerful and streamlined as possible. And there's also a destination involved, which is the actual platform. So there's features like the stack feature, where if you go on Magma and you know you, you come across three or four mags in the course of a week, and you're like, these are really powerful. These are great. I really want to you know let people see that I'm consuming them. Just like if you went to a friend's house and you saw a couple magazines on their you know coffee table, you can actually save those mags to your stack. And then when people go and view your profile, they can see your stack. So um, it's kind of seeing what people are creating and also seeing what people are reading. It's a really cool um, like viewpoint on how someone is getting, uh, you know, uh, how, they're, how they're getting their knowledge, how they're getting incentivized to go create, how they're getting inspired. And that's something I think is often taken away from social. I mean, Instagram went and took away the ability to see what people are liking, which was kind of a funny feature in itself because it could get people in trouble, but it also allowed people to truly see what people were interested in. And that's a viewpoint that I think brings a ton of value. Yeah. What I, I want to talk for a second about how the app actually came to life. Like what was the startup path? I think you guys st launched and started the company in 2017. Is that correct? Yeah, the idea really came to fruition in 2017. So what was the first steps? I mean, just like storyboarding or, you know, how did you go yeah. from idea to this fairly polished app that I have on my phone right now? So um, I had the idea when I was on an assignment and I just, I, I was in Barbados, I was doing a photo shoot and I needed to get the content to someone really quickly. And I didn't really have great Wi-Fi, and I couldn't find a charger for my computer. And it was, a, it was a nightmare. And I just said, I need to send, you know, 30 photos that have all been edited. Um, they're pretty high quality and I need to kind of give notes and kind of blurbs about each photo and couldn't do it. And I said, if, if I could make a digital magazine right now, it would really help me out. That's what kind of sparked it. I resonated it for a couple months, just thinking about it. Um, went into Illustrator, designed kind of like an idea of what I think it would be. And I, a lifelong friend of mine, his name is Joey Shawaki. He started one of the first social media marketing firms in the world and had kind of had his you know finger on the on the the pulse of the new modern media industry and i went to him and i said i have this idea 
think it could be a game changer. He said, we've been kind of looking internally at options very similar to this, but the way that you're describing it is much different and much, you know, overall better idea than anyone else has kind of tried to execute. So he ended up starting this with me. Um, and it was just a constant sprint of idea, reiterating the idea, testing the idea, turning that into an actual product, and then doing it over and over again over the course of two and a half years. And we built a team that was very um, passionate about the vision. I think that was something from the get-go that uh, helped us get this product to market was having a team that really understood that we're not just building something fun and cool. We're building something that if done properly and executed um, could change a lot of things for the better. And I think all, all startups and all entrepreneurs like to say like, oh, it's the future of this or it's a better way to do this. But I think in the back of our minds, it was we were watching social media help people and then destroy a lot of things that were you know vital and you know making certain things you know really great and opportunity for a lot of people and then also tearing down the health benefits of certain individuals and environments. And, you know, we saw it firsthand that if done properly and if creating, you know, a system that would allow for the greatest amount of sharing, but in the healthiest way, that was going to be also beneficial. And, you know, after two and a half years of just really trusting our, our vision, it, we're, we're now here. And that's, I think, the only way to really describe where we, where we came from. Yeah. Did you guys hire a developer or developers or did you outsource the actual like app development? So we started off with using a, uh, we, we used a local firm to kind of get the product to an MVP standpoint where uh, we had something tangible and we can kind of see how users were going to go ahead and try to use it themselves rather than us telling them. And then we quickly learned that for something this robust, it was going to be a very long and tedious road of trying to work with a, a firm that wasn't in-house. So we went and actually hired our own team. Uh, we found a CTO very quickly who was uh, really vital and key to helping us build up the model. He just understood the industry. And we hired some developers under him and brought them in-house. And, you know, we found some really great designers that I worked with hand-in-hand -hand to, you know, streamlining the, the, the sophistication of developing down to a simple idea. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's how we kind of took that route. Yeah. What was, and I'm asking, cause I think a lot of people struggle with this. I know I do. Like if I have an idea and I wanted to pursue it, especially like with an app type thing, cause there's, there's a lot of app ideas where do you, you know, both for the firm. And then when you hired in house, like where did you even begin to look to find a reliable, you know, like, worthwhile source you know like a firm or you know how did you recruit people yeah i mean um whenever you search for something you always try to find something that's comfortable to you and kind of how you think and i looked at i just started searching like I literally started going on google and searching app development ios development um developers for hire work for hire i, I searched everything and it came down to there are about 10 different firms across the country um, I knew it needed to be an American firm because we're based in Los Angeles, which could ultimately be the worst time zone working internationally. <laughs> um, it just, it's and besides Hawaii, it just doesn't really get much worse than trying to work with individuals in Europe and Asia and, you know, Australia when you're in Los Angeles. So we, um, we picked a firm here and, you know, I think for people that are starting out, it's understanding 
the complexity of your product first and then seeing how simple you can get it. So that creation process sometimes is build fast, fail fast, or, you know, kind of take more of a, a dissected approach to it where, you know, you really think about every single option of how the product's gonna look, how it's gonna interact. And you try to think of a B and C option as well for everything that you come up with. And just know this, if, if there's anyone listening that's gonna start a company, like anything that you start with is gonna change very quickly. <laughs> anything that you think you're, um, you've gotten, it's the golden idea and it's gonna be the end product. It's not gonna be that. Um, you're always gonna go through different iterations. You're gonna go through different phases where you lose trust in kind of the uh, path you're moving. And you, know, you really have to go search for what you really think is the right move for your company and the team and the product. And, you know, if you want to build something really cool, really fast, and you maybe are a designer, or you have someone close to you, I suggest just finding a really powerful developer that, you know, doesn't always need to be the most experienced, just needs to know the basics of what's going to run your, your product. Uh, definitely read up on the industry if you don't have any background or experience. Um, there's a couple books that, you know, I, uh, I, were, I was given along the way that you know, I'm not a huge reader. Um, just based on my, my time that I have to give, but there's a few that I read that ultimately opened my eyes to combining different people's tactics. And the more that you can listen and read, the better your company is going to ultimately be. What books were those? Um, the lean startup is like the, the golden one, you know, it's, it's been around for a while. And I think the cool part about it is it's, it's short, um, and sweet and it's, it's something that you can just, you can knock out in a weekend, no problem. And you can, you should read it one or two times. And what's funny about it is it's outdated in a lot of ways, but everything in it is relatable to the modern day. So, you know, in the last three years, it's, it, the industry has come from, if you just launch something really cool and people like it, it's going to win. And now it's in this world where if it's not up to par with fluidity and speed as some of the platforms that people are on from four to eight hours a day, they're not going to really be incentivized to want to use that product, even if it's really great. You know, it's like, you know, going from a really powerful car and that you've been driving for a hundred thousand miles and going down to something that is equally as comfortable to get you from A to B, but doesn't do it as, as fast. You're going to feel the difference. So now, you know, when building something and starting a startup and you want to do it lean, it's, you have to take into consideration some new modern uh, hurdles. So the lean startup, really great. Take what you want from it. Um, the other, the other book that uh, I read that wasn't actually a startup book, but it was just a biography is um, Phil Knight's book. Phil Knight was the founder of Nike. It's called shoe dog. And if you want to know the story of someone who went through every single hurdle and climbed mountains and fell backwards down them and ultimately got over them and created his own mountains. It's, it's this guy and what he went through with Nike. And he talks about his, his history of being burned. He talked about his history of, you know, people championing, championing him. Uh, he has been through it all. So reading his book about how he started one of the most prolific brands of all time um, was really inspiring to me as a, as an entrepreneur. Cool. Yeah. It, it's, it's fun to see how people solve other problems and overcome other hurdles. Cause there's almost always some corollary to something you're going to deal with along the way for sure. 
Yeah, I have a I have a rule that I kind of tell some of my employees. I also tell friends just if you want to kind of hone in your expertise on something, find three blogs that you can view every single day. So the power of a website that gets updated daily with new information is that sometimes it only takes you a minute and a half to get through it. But every single day you're gonna be retaining something about an industry or you know a product section that you're gonna be interested in that you might actually need for work. And if you can check something three times a day, it's three products that is gonna change your ability to actually work on your own product. It's gonna change your ability to know about the industry that you're in. It's gonna change your ability to start conversations and network. It's it's a very easy way to get ahead. Yeah, it's probably a lot better time spent than reading the news every morning too. <laughs> well, it's probably a lot. Uh, if, if people are reading about stuff they're interested in, that's always gonna be retained a lot grander. Right. Also. I got to ask about funding. How did you guys fund this startup? And can you share any numbers of like what it's cost to get to a viable product? Um, we did, we, I'll share some info. We don't talk about the numbers that much, but we, uh, we raised a angel round of funding. We found a very strategic investor who him and his companies are in the licensing game when it comes to fashion and accessories. So what we took from that was we found an investor who understood the need for new products to tell a story about a product, a brand, um, tell a story in general. And this individual believed in the product. He believed in the vision. We figured out a deal that would you know, allow everyone to feel comfortable. And that was the initial funding for the project. And we've gone out and raised uh, strategic money here and there, but overall we've, we've kind of, self-funded it to a lot of through a lot of the way and we're now opening a, a seed round of funding so we're excited to start bringing on some new investors um, we're really looking for some strategic individuals who are going to bring more than just monetary value to the company you know it's there's this startup culture where it's like oh what do you raise for your you know seed round what do you raise for your series a what's your valuation a lot of the time that clouds out the ability to actually find investors that you know bring something that you can't put a price on and bring experience and know-how that you're going to need to get to the next level. Yeah, that's a good point for sure. Because a lot of times the people that are only bringing money have, you know, their only concern is money, right? Like they they want to get in and then exit as quickly as possible for as much as possible. You know, everyone else be damned, it seems like. Yeah, sometimes that's, that's not the best route. Um, listen, if you create a good product and people like it and they see the value in it, you're going to get a payday. And you're ultimately going to get, you know, your exit in some way, shape or form. It's what do you really want to turn that into? Do you want to create something that's going to live and you're going to live with it? Or do you want to create something quick and just give it off to the next guy? You can do something with it. It's that's something that needs to be kind of determined early on. And I think with Magma, my business partner, Joey and I, we understood that if we created something that was from the heart as much as it was from the, the need for it, it's something that we would love to stick with as long as we we could. So um, going forward, I think whatever kind of comes our way, we're, we're excited for. Awesome, man. Well, hopefully big things. And thanks a ton for sharing your story. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, for anyone listening, if you have anything to share, even if it's just, you know, an opinion on something, if it's, you know, a life experience that you think can help others during these crazy times, like, please, by all means, use Magma. We, uh, 
we, we welcome you with open arms. We welcome your words, your stories, your media with open arms. And if you have any suggestions, um, you know, on how you think we could help change the needs that you have or your industry, feel free to reach out to us. You know, we, you can find us on Instagram at, at magma.now. Um, you can go to our website, magmanow.com. Uh, there's a way to contact us through the app as well. And, you know, we want to hear from you. So looking forward to it. Very cool. Thanks a ton. Thank you. What'd you think? Did it get your wheels spinning with ideas? If you haven't already downloaded it, check it out. Take it for a spin. From a branding perspective, this might just be the easiest way to both create a lookbook and get it into your customer's hands or the media's hands. Just add links to the product pages and image download folders, and it could easily replace the traditional press release. And the best part is, it's all searchable by Google, so you don't miss out on any of the SEO benefits of trying to do the same thing on a blog. If you get into it and make something cool, shoot me a link, I'd love to see it. If you'd like more content, along with links to the app, the books Jake mentioned, and more, head over to tylerbenedict.com podcast and click on this episode for a lot more. You can find me on social media at Tyler Benedict on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can find Jake on Instagram. He's at Jake the Warner. Here's hoping you get inspired and find new ways to spread the joy around your brand. Until next time, keep building. Keep building.